Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Happy Monday to you all. We are locked and loaded for a huge edition of SEN Breakfast. The McCafe menu is stacked. David Teague, Rich, Richmond assistant coach, is going to join us after the Tigers got it done in their first hit out. Seven quarters, uh, if you don't mind. But for the real stuff, uh, Richmond came out on top. So a lot of positives to take out. Some questions. We'll speak to Teague about that. Now, Rob Ald is the AFL Executive General Manager of Game Development. The AFL set to spend a billion dollars across the next decade in an effort to fast-track more people signing up to play footy. What are the details of that? And what does it mean for you and your community club? Well, Rob will tell us that after 8 o'clock. Your calls, as always, you can get involved whenever you like. one 736 736 Plenty of footy news around the place and questions without notice. The Collingwood champion, the Brownlow medalist, the Norm Smith medalist, the Australian Football Hall of Famer, and the biggest Taylor Swift fan <laughs> in Melbourne is alongside of me, the wizard Nathan Buckley. Bucks, good morning. Good morning, Kano. Thanks for that intro. It was uh, it was <laughs> this pretty is unbelievable. Amazing. Well, I, I I want an investigation. Yeah, well, I wanna, you, I wanna you can ask every, whatever you un- want. Great. So, you, wait, did you say a million or a billion? A billion, it says here. A billion dollars into yeah. grassroots footy over yep. the next 10 years. That's it. Good. Good. Well, we'll get to Constructing we'll new to ovals, that. facilities, increasing capacities, modified versions of the game to attract new markets, boosting women's participation, retaining juniors from the age of 6 to 10, helping regional clubs. There's a whole hope, a heap of yeah. uh, dot points on this. Now, Rob will be able to expand on this. It, look, it's that ambitious. That would be music to the ears of, yeah. of dads and now mums. All across the country because uh, the junior footy ranks and even finding grounds is difficult to do at the moment with the advent of women's footy and the girls playing now at uh, at junior leagues. It's um, I mean, I'm not sure how it feels over in Adelaide, but um, mm. in the inner city of Melbourne, which you know, which is what I've been exposed to, trying to find ovals and training space through the week. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to speaking to Rob about that and their plans in that next 10 years. And even bigger in the northern states as well, um, Western Sydney, Sydney, um, how many footy ovals? Not enough. So uh, what are the challenges you're finding at your local clubs? We'll give you the opportunity to uh, have your say on that before we speak to Rob and um, you can put some questions to us as well and we'll do our best to to put that to, to the man who is uh, behind this initiative with the AFL. Now the I important said you're stuff. a wizard. Now the important – look, I'm, a, I'm 800 kilometres away observing – I've never seen anything like it. And I, I love it. Like, I love this. What, what There's been a bit of pushback on t- what's the big deal. Like, rah, rah, that, that's for people who weren't there, clearly. That, that's yeah. for jealous people who didn't go. That, that's my – look, I'm not a Taylor Swift Swifty, Neither am but I. I would have I would have loved to have gone and witnessed that because it just looked amazing. But it was. so we'll get to that shortly. But I want to deep dive into because this time last <laughs> week you said this. Are you are you going to a concert in Melbourne? No. Or what? No. No. Did no. You? No. Broads is a massive fan of Taylor Swift. I haven't been yeah. able to swing her a ticket yet. Uh, so if anyone's got one going, or- <laughs> and then that afternoon. I'm pretty sure you had a couple of tickets in your hot Look, little handbox. I, that that was all part of a big ruse. It was Valentine's Day on Wednesday. I was I was oh, I'd gone along. I'd gone along. Give me that. I'd gone along for weeks with Broads, telling her that we're no chance. Like she'd even stopped talking about it. She was talking about it when the tickets first came out months ago, and I just went dormant on it. 
and it was a no and it was a no chance. And, and, and then I, I flicked something out on Monday afternoon to say, whilst the Super Bowl was on, just said, look, has anyone got any, any, any Taylor Swift tickets? I'm asking for a friend and then tagged Brody in on it. And then yeah, the tickets you know, were produced on the Wednesday. So, so you're telling us <laughs> and our audience, who are very clever, that this was a ruse. This, this was absolutely. absolutely. You, this was deception. It's called you ro- had tickets all along. It's called romance, Kane. No, the, the poor I people. No, who I didn't were secure them until late. Who were scrambling <laughs> to get Nathan Buckley tickets after listening to us and then seeing your I social media I got hit up post. so much. Hey, oh, don't you? worry, the poor people. There was right. a lot of there was a lot of second the the secondary yeah. ticket market was hot, <laughs> and after I sent the after I sent a uh, a story out an Instagram post out that I got hit up plenty and it, they ranged from four hundred bucks through to one and a half mm. grand like mm. for per ticket it was and and the Uber driver that took us in on on the Saturday said um did you did you buy your tickets so yeah and he go he goes I said did you get one he goes yes 69 dollars and I said yeah. and uh and he was that proud to say that he sold that for 400 so he went <laughs> <laughs> so he so so I reckon there's a whole heap of people this is one of the issues if it's a hot ticket you can oh. now you go and you do the hard yards to get a ticket in your hand with the intent mm. of selling it off on the secondary ticket market. Well, tell me about it. Oh, look, said, it was. I was what? very jealous. Three, cop, cop three days of it. Felt like everyone I knew went and it looked absolutely spectacular. It was. And that's exactly what it was. Like, I I don't know the music other than, like, you, you hear, you know, maybe one, one album mm. or one song from her album every five minutes, it would seem, if you're listening to mainstream radio. Um, so that I'll know those main sort of hits, but I don't know any of the songs underneath. Um, Brody's um, a country music fan from way back, so had has followed her since then. Yeah, and they just think she, like they, being the Swifties, just yeah. see her as the bomb. She's living the dream. She's a costume change every twenty minutes. Forty three songs over three and a half hours. Ninety six thousand people at the MCG. Yeah. She rocked it. She looked comfortable. She's talented. The show was slick. Yeah. I just sat there and I was impressed that they were able yeah. to pull such a thing together. And I'm sitting next, I'm actually sitting next to young um, Miller McIntosh, um, Steph McIntosh, who used to be on Neighbours, who was a blast from the yeah. past. I'd met her, sort of hadn't seen her for 15 years and known her for a couple of years sort of that long ago. Uh, and her daughter was there, Miller, and she was crying and singing and like I, I was immersed around it. Mm. I reckon it felt like I was the only bloke in about, you know, the hundred people I could see around me, but no, there was plenty of blokes there. Don't worry. It was, uh, it was, it was amazing, and I and and to do that three three nights in a row. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Full but house, phys- physically, yeah. She she must be uh, extraordinary. Like she must be a serious athlete to to back up and do that. Do you reckon and ice bring... bars and hydration oh, all, in between. You'd need everything. Oh, yeah, you? she's de- definitely. I mean, she wouldn't be short of resources to well, recover. Well, the AV, like the, obviously the set, like that's all it is, sound and, and lights, and and it was done really well. Like the, it's produced within an inch of its life, and it's it's slick as and and she, and her voice does a lot of it. And, and yeah, there's some dancers around that provide the energy, mm. and she mm. she chimes in at the right time. You never felt like she'd lost she'd lost a beat, 
But yeah, to be able to, and clearly, and I think you see this with the great performers, they, they are in their element. She was in her element, being mm. the centre of attention and being able to perform and sing her truth and connect with the people and having the lyrics sung back here. You can only imagine how that must feel when, you know, in the middle of nowhere in your own bedroom, on your own, you're writing these lyrics and you're sort of putting some chords together and then all of a sudden you've got 96,000 people mm. in a foreign country to you singing your songs back here. That must be amazing. Absolutely crazy. I, I know we're a largely footy show and a sports show, and there's plenty of that which we'll get to. But uh, I was captivated by it. Did you did you head along? Did you get caught up in it? Um, the, the coverage in the Herald Sun it felt like ten pages every day. Even today, there's you know, lift outs and pages and posters and the merch. Uh, Lucy had to go to Melbourne for for work last night. I dropped her to the airport, and there were Swifties everywhere in Adelaide. Like obviously mm. going to Sydney or coming back from Melbourne. The lineup for the merch I was reading online like a couple of hours long. It's, it's an absolute juggernaut to the likes of nothing that I have ever seen in in pop culture. And if you're lucky enough to be there, you know it's the MCG. And Bucks has had some big moments on the MCG in front of ninety thousand plenty of times. Anzac Day Grand Finals, big prelim finals. But Dad, I mean, Dad sent me a text and said, "How's it going?" I said, um, "It's quarter time. She's had nine. Kicked a goal." <laughs> She started well. She's a bit quiet in the second quarter, but she really finished strong in the second half. It was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> she so, was best on by more. So tell us about it. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Are you have you started to switch on into sort of work footy mode, Bucks? It's, it, I must admit it's come around quickly. I, I watched a fair bit of Port Adelaide's intra club game on Friday night. Then I watched. You know, maybe 50, 60% of yesterday's game that seemed to go on forever. Didn't it? With seven quarters. But for, for the serious stuff of the first three quarters, I was I was sort of glued and taking notes. Are you, are you back in footy mode, do you I'm, think? I'm looking forward to this season more than any I can remember, definitely since being out. Why? Um I don't know. I think I've had uh, the, the off-season, I've, I've actually taken the time to get right away from it. I think it's I think it's a fast, it's going to stack up as a fascinating season. We've got plenty of time to talk about it, you know, as we head into um, opening round, uh, and then and then obviously it's a long season. So there's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows this year. But when you look at the every nearly every club's got its bona fides. There's not that many. When I and you've I've been asked this week to make predictions, and obviously they'll go in publications, mm-hmm. and I still haven't completed them. But it's that hard. Like okay, so bottom four. I, I think that you could pick a you could pick a side that you feel like you need to say you need to find a third or fourth side that's going to finish in the bottom four. They could finish easily finish in the top eight if they get the right run and they get right run with injury and their best players play well. Definitely. So I think it's that kind of year. So the gap between you know maybe the sixth place team and the fifteenth place team has diminished year on year over the last decade. And I think this year looks like it's it's as um, it's close as it's sort of ever been. You could pick Fremantle to finish bottom four and most people would go, okay, that's that's okay. I'm not I'm not offended by that. And they could easily play for them. Eighteen months ago, they were at the top of the ladder with the best defensive profile that anyone had ever seen. And that's yeah. Ross Line coach teams. Like they were they were only allowing scores from turnover at one in every ten, which is which is better than double the the competition average usually. So that was only 18 months ago. And they haven't lost that much since then. They've lost some, but they haven't lost that much. So, yeah, every every club's got its 
got its bona fides. They've got its reasons. Like reading Brad Scott's article around Essendon, and, and I think they're an interesting case study. Um, how much yeah, do the four players that they've brought in impact for them straight away? And that's hard to do because shared experience counts mm. for something. Um, but yeah, it's um, but I'm not. Then I I watched um, Sam Durham was was mic'd up and. He was doing the 2K time trial, and I thought, gee, the energy in their training was actually really good. And, and Mason Redman was, was – and he finished at the front of the, the 2K, and it looked really mm. good. And I thought, wow, you know, maybe, maybe they're going to come through. You, you don't know until – you know, and even when we're six rounds in, there's still a long way to go. Who are the teams that you could easily pick to finish bottom four and your, your mate at work or at the pub – wouldn't sort of scoff at you for selecting them that could still play for like the Bombers is a good one. Geelong could, could Geelong drop right off and finish bottom four, or could they play finals? I don't think either either of us would be surprised at uh, either scenario there. So that's why we're looking forward to the season. It's tight. Uh, we had the Port Adelaide Hall of Fame on Thursday night, which I spoke about on Friday with, with Kingy, and then we caught up on Friday morning at a at a breakfast bucks, and a lot of those people are still involved in footy. You know, we got Brendan Laid, who's at the Bulldogs and Jared Schofield's at, at West Coast and Kari's at Port Adelaide, Chad's at Port Adelaide. Um, you know, Dimmer and Dimmer's not there, but a lot of people at Brett Montgomery's mm. at the Giants and just having a discussion about how their clubs are going. Like, West Coast are pretty confident with the preseason mm. that they have had. Now, they're not talking finals, but they're definitely not talking two wins and last again with the preseason they've had and their senior players up and going. So that is why it is fascinating. Is the buck stops here back this morning? We got, yep, we got, yep. We've got, got a couple of bucks. How many, three, how many bucks we got? Three items out of, out of seven that I want to hit. Right. And they're clubs that we that I didn't hit last week. So trying to share share that around a little bit. But one thing, one thing with a question without notice that I'll throw on you early. And I asked Kingy this, and I, I would, wouldn't mind the listeners to consider this. When, when you look across because King and I sat and watched the Hawthorne um, Pracky match on Thursday and a bit happened there with injuries mm, and that shows you how carnage. difficult it can be. Um, and then watching the game on Saturday, I asked King when we were like about last quarter of that, that Pracky match, I said, how, across, he's watched a lot of footy, across all of the clubs, what percentage of their game plan or the game itself is the same? And he, he came back with around, he came back with around 50%. Oh, the, the 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 game like that the that what Each clubs club are trying to do same. is about the same. Is about yep. fifty. I reckon it's closer to eighty eighty five. Oh yeah, yeah. And I and that's because the game is a pretty simple game. It's yeah, kicks, marks, handballs. Do the basics well, uh, and in the end, the best teams are the are the teams that do that better than better well, than the a, others. It's, yeah, it's a good point because and then what the the poorer teams do is they look at what the best teams do well and they've got all the stats and all the information and all the numbers and all the KPIs and then they go, "Well, they're doing that and they're the best. We need to get our game style to look like that." Even Adam Simpson spoke yesterday the West Coast the Eagles put that up online after quarter time of their intra club. He says, um, "We want to be predictable, but we don't want to be slow." With, yeah. with their ball, so they're not going. They're not going to play kick mark anymore. They're, they're going to be more long down the line. They're going to be less switched. They're going to be contest based. They're going to be turnover based. Yeah. So they're right at the bottom, and they're looking at what GWS and what Collingwood have done, and they're going. That's where we need to get to, and that's the style we need to play. So, but there are some yeah, lists that aren't ready that, that aren't no. ready to do that yet. So they might be practicing the right way. And I mean, Clarko's 
famously done this at Hawthorne. And he might he he might feel that he's now so getting his North Melbourne list to play the way that he thinks, and he says this is going to win flags for them. Now mm. that that doesn't necessarily mean twenty twenty four, and it doesn't necessarily mean playing the type of football that is winning premierships now. He's sort of thinking in three or four years' time, he's got a young list that he can build towards that. But I think, do you put a man up at the stoppage or do you hold six? Do you kick the contest or do you want possession? Mm. Do your forwards roll back or do they hold um, hold in their, in their spots? There's not a lot else that you do differently. It's just the players knowing intimately what you're trying to achieve as a team and having the right bodies in the right places at the right time, both defensively and offensively. The, the, the fourth one I'd add to that is do you go man on man when you defend or do you zone? Outside yep. of that, I reckon that and I reckon and that most takes of them a, are zoning now. Most of them are. Well, I see, I, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit more man on man okay. come back into the game, which is interesting. We'll ask David Teague about that. The Richmond assistant coach has uh, got a long history in the game and, and a lot of knowledge, so he'll give us his thoughts on that. Rob Old's going to join us. The AFL spending a truckload of money in community football, which is good news to you. We're up and running SEM Breakfast. You can book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. Their parking is very convenient. And we're also powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you want to have your say, a one 736 736 And off the temper text, a lot of Swifties. We'll get to that next. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop to the shindig. It is Kane and Bucks. Big McCafe menu coming your way. A lot of texts coming through this morning and a big reaction to the AFL spending a billion dollars across the next uh, decade in an effort to get more people playing footy. A few sceptics out there, though. Guys, the AFL investing a billion in developing footy is pure spin. Having played and having my kids play, I've never seen a brass razoo come to the club. Um... That's from the from the AFL, he says. That's from Big Al. Um, good morning, boys. Now that Brad Scott has had a proper off-slash-preseason at the Bombers, how much of a difference would it have made in terms of player development, etc., says Chris. Well, he did a terrific article in The Age with Jake Nile, and he was speaking strong language about standards and the fact that clearly Bucks' standards were not good enough in terms of players living an elite lifestyle and... Um, he's adamant and confident that that has changed through their actions, but he's saying essentially, you know, players will behave themselves out of the place if if they don't live the elite lifestyle. Can you change it in twelve months? You can definitely have an impact, and and you've got to hit your wagon to something um, as a coach. And I think that you know, development has always been a really strong element of of Brad's coaching philosophy, and obviously the elite standards that underpin. Um, the same. I, yeah, he he was a development coach and head of development um, at Collingwood when Scott Pendlebury first came in, and he used he used Pendles a lot as um, as an example to his North Melbourne players in his first iteration as a coach. And I, I've got no doubt that that he'll be really strong on that. And and they're they're young men, they're malleable um, um, young men who mm. need to be educated around how to get the best out of their playing careers. I think the best thing is to have a really professional teammate that shows you the way and that lives the, the way that, and, and shows you what to aspire to. But um, yeah, you need a coach and a, a coaching group that are prepared to set that up. So that's the, that's the, the unknown 
how much difference can be made and is it sustainable and can you get enough momentum to see a team? And we generally see one team go from bottom four to top four every year. Yep. And, you know, not saying the Essendon were bottom four, but their last couple of games weren't impressive and it gave them plenty of ammunition for the off-season. I agree the gap between 6th and 15th is tiny, but anyone who thinks Geelong will be bottom four is delusional. Yeah, I don't think Geelong will be bottom four, but I wouldn't, like if I was, what was next the over to someone at, uh, it was 11 and a half. Mm. Um, but if I was next to someone at a cafe and they said, oh, do you reckon, I reckon the Cats, like a couple of injuries, if things go wrong for them with their age, that, that, I reckon they're going to finish bottom four. I wouldn't like scoff at them. I'd say, okay, I don't agree, but mm. I wouldn't be offended I wouldn't be offended by that. And there's probably a lot of teams uh, in that category. Last one on Taylor Swift. I took my 13 and 11-year-old daughters to see Taylor Swift on Saturday night. I absolutely love the atmosphere. So positive with outfit compliments flying everywhere. Friendship bracelets being exchanged between younger and older fans. And that was before the concert even began. My 13-year-old didn't sing one song. She screamed them all. We have all the feels. Mum, I'm going to vomit. Mum, I can't breathe. Mum, I've yelled too much. Mum, I have a headache. And my 11-year-old just adored it. A wonderful role model for my young girls. I think that text sums it up. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I was sitting in the middle of. And if it wasn't a mum with with her daughters, it was a dad with their daughters. And um, the the idea of being an optimistic, positive environment where everyone felt like they were free to express themselves, that's exactly the way it was. So it is. That that, that is pretty empowering. A couple of friendship bracelets on. I did, I did. Did you? Yeah, I had f- I had four. So how does that work? How, where do they come from? Where I, would you so go and buy them? Coxie walked in. Coxie walked in with about twenty on each arm. Mason Cox. Yeah. So he he handed he, he handed me over. He goes, grab some, grab some from up here. So I grabbed three of them, and I had three on. And walking to and from the bar a couple of times in the evening. Um, I was fist bumping a couple of the young girls that were sort of going nuts there. And one of them, as I was coming back about halfway through the show, offered me one of her friendship bracelets. So that went on the wrist as well. So I ended up with four and, um, oh, look, it was, oh, and I, and I was, I was, I was on the unders, I reckon over unders on uh, bracelets, I reckon was about 15 and a half on each arm. <laughs> I saw Jake Lever and Mason Cox. I think Lever had these uh, Love Heart sunglasses on or something. It's just what, what she's done to grown men is extraordinary. So last last one. Said that a couple of times. But you two at the Sphere in Vegas? Yeah. Or Taylor Swift at the G? Oh, no, no. No, no. I, the Sphere is just so far away. Like, that That was that. Oh, I, that was special. Right. Look, uh, recency bias, you, you Oh, and just just sheer enormity, like ninety six thousand people. I, I've, I was in the second level of the MCG, and and I was it was jumping up and down. I've never felt that before. Like I've been on the field when it feels like the stands are going to cave in, but not in the stands like that. It was yeah, it was it was so swift over you too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I w- no, well, you, hey, you too, you too. Clearly, my my one of my favourite artists of all time. But in terms of the 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 night, the experience, and the event, I'd have to say that yeah, her production was pretty special. Even even above you two at the Sphere.
All right. That, Big that call, isn't the, it? That may be the topic of our Twitter <laughs> poll this morning. Would you rather see Taylor Swift at the G or you, you two at the Sphere in Vegas? We're rambling our way through the morning. <laughs> Cobb from the state, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. Be back after the news headlines.